Welcome to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. Uh, today, we're talking about a couple latest uh, deals in the crypto space. And I'm going to start off with Dynamic XYZ. What they offer is uh, they're targeted towards uh, DAP decentralized app developers. And what they offer is an SDK, a software development kit, as well as a dashboard. And really, the, the, the pitch is that with just a few lines of code, uh, developers can um, uh, develop their code and they can basically get instantly, they can get pre-built connect wallet and user onboarding experience. So really what that means is just that uh, by implementing a few lines of code, they can make it a lot easier to connect their uh, decentralized app uh, to different types of wallets instead of having to you know, go through the process of manually writing code to connect to each different wallet type. Um, and then on the other side, what, you know, when you're using their product, you get this dashboard so they can launch support for multiple wallets and chains with a single click. Uh, it also provides them, uh, provides users with specific tokens access. Uh, they can block wallets flagged by blockchain intelligence firm chain analysis, or basically allows them to have kind of a, a bird's eye view of all the different types of wallets and all the individual wallets connecting to their app. So instead of having to do that, you know, each different type of wallet. So uh, they raised seven and a half million dollars. It was led by A16Z, Circle Ventures, Solana Ventures, and Chapter One were also involved. Uh, this is really targeted to trying to um, make DAP developers' lives a little easier. So um, I haven't developed a DAP personally, but I would imagine it's a pain in the ass to, you know, have to write code for each different type of uh, wallet offered. So my take on this is it's it's managing the login. So if you want to log in with your wallet, this is a SDK that you can use to to help integrate that. So like wallet based authentication mm -hmm. is is what I'm seeing here, which um, is really I think important because as if you believe that there are, will be more and more decentralized apps people are likely going to be logging in with, with their wallet, which is already logged in per se to their computer or perhaps your, your phone. If, if the phone is carrying the wallet itself. So it's, it's a wallet based authentication as well. I think that's an important piece here. What I thought was really interesting was seeing the list of people that are already using this. Um, there are other A16Z companies, so this is not surprising that this is an A16Z-led round, but lunchclub.ai, lunchclub.com is one of the customers of this, and that's really interesting to me because Lunch Club was a really popular networking app during the, the peak lockdown era of 2020 that people were using. I was using I made some really awesome connections on the app. Um, and I, I wonder what they're trying to do with, with the wallet here, uh, a networking conversation based on a wallet that you would log in with. It, it's a little, like, I, I really wonder what they're using this for personally, but cool app. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you're going to build a, if you're going to build a decentralized app, the trend is more and more, you're going to access it with your, a certain wallet. Maybe you hold a certain token or a certain NFT in your wallet that permissions you into certain features of an app. 
Mm-hmm. We just saw Alter launch stake to access this week. So anybody who's staking 10 secret tokens gets access to the product. You know, this business model is part of the promise of quote unquote web three. Mm-hmm. So new business models unlocking new ways to, to, to do this. And so, yeah, I see dynamic as a really smart play potentially. I haven't heard of any other, I know there are companies doing this kind of thing, but this is, this is something I, I haven't seen before pop up a company focused solely on this. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty cool to have uh kind of a all in one tool like this, I guess. Um, one of the criticisms here was that one um, doesn't appear to be prioritizing support for Bitcoin wallets. Um, and then two, as I mentioned, the dashboard really, it allows developers um, to block wallets that have been flagged either by like Genalysis or some you know, US Office of Foreign Assets Control. Um, so, you know, you have some criticisms on censorship and all that, but um, I don't know. Yeah, that's not, uh, that to me is a little weak because a lot of these, sure, there's, there's potential for censorship. However, the counterpoint is you don't really, you likely don't want to be interacting with wallets that hacked exchanges. So like the Mt. Gox hack, the Bitfinex hack, those different wallets, those ones that get blacklisted, um, you don't want to be somebody who now suddenly on the public ledger or whichever ledger you're, you're operating on has, has now interacted or potentially taken money because then you, you could be painted as an accomplice. So yeah. on the, that's how I view it. But there is a good point to be made that for whatever reason, whoever, whoever the puppet masters are at a certain time and place behind chain, chain analysis, you never know where, where that could go. So fair criticism, I suppose, but devil's advocate, you, you don't want to be interacting with wallets tied to North Korean hackers. No, exactly. You can, you know, I think these, this is often framed as extremes, like it's going to be totally open or totally, you know, iron fist controlled. But really, like you said, you, you want to get rid of the bad actors who are in the end, just going to disrupt the, the good actors and make the app, you know, shittier or more dangerous. So ultimately it's up to the, the, you know, through this tool, it'd be up to the, the DAP developers to make that call. So, yeah, but um, I think that uh, kind of covers it. You had uh, uh, a deal you wanted to talk about today, right? Yeah. Mohash has raised $6 million in providing a new DeFi tool. This is an India-based company, and it looks like several uh, India-based investors are on the list, but... What's interesting is that they are trying to tap real world yields. So start in crypto end in the real world, instead of just starting in crypto, staying in crypto to earn yield, this is actually trying to allow you to take your stable coin, deposit into this thing, and then they're going to go out and earn yield in uh, fast growing economies. So emerging markets where there's a disconnect between brokering capital with investment opportunities, I think. So if you want to potentially, and it's, it's really starting to gear towards, I'm sorry, it's, it's initially going to be geared towards high net worth individuals with check sizes above a million dollars. So this is really an institutional grade app uh, products from the get go. 
I think they will likely open it up to retail years from now. I don't know when, but they're they're going for bigger deal sizes, bigger investment sizes from the get go. Um, it's just interesting. I, I think I don't know if this is a symptom of the bear market or if they were going to be doing this anyway. The the TechCrunch article talks a lot about uh, the collapse of crypto stable coins and how they've been tied to high risk and often unsustainable assets. So this is like an interesting, I wouldn't say reversal, but just kind of shift in, in strategy where this is a DeFi tool, crypto native, but it's actually going into the real world focused on, on emerging markets and assets that are tangible. So I don't know much more beyond that. Like, I don't know, uh, I haven't, I haven't dug in. I don't know if this information is out there, but from what I saw, this is just a high level take on, mm-hmm. on what they're actually doing. Did, did you have a chance to look in, in at this one? Yeah, I did. And so I want to start with what I do like and what I don't like, and I'm going to throw the same caveat out there. There's not like a ton of like detailed information that I could find, but I, I could put the pieces together and to kind of, you know, add another detail, it seems like the way that they're going to invest in these real world opportunities is through debt. Uh, that seems pretty yes. clear rather than like equity investment. Um, so start with what I do like access to capital, especially in emerging markets um, can be very difficult. On both ends, it can be difficult for the entrepreneurs to acquire it because at the end of the day, getting your hands on capital is very much a who you know game. Um, And in some of these emerging markets, uh, there's just barriers to getting to know the right people. Uh, But on the other end, you know, from the investor, if you're a multimillionaire, maybe in a developed market like the U.S. or the U.K. and you want to invest in these smaller companies, um, getting that information has always been difficult. Do accurate due diligence in a country half a world away is just inherently tough to do. And that's part of the reason why emerging markets, uh, especially on the equity side, often present some of the best opportunities for alpha um, from a mutual fund or an ETF perspective. Um, that, that's my world, so that's what I can tell you. So the idea that there'd be an inefficiency here between capital that wants to invest in good ideas and good ideas that can't find it, absolutely true. So if this makes that easier, if that makes that more efficient, if it can connect capital to good ideas that would otherwise go uninvested, that's wonderful. Um, So the thing is though, that the way this is structured essentially just sounds like an actively managed emerging market fixed income ETF. That's really what this is. People pay in, uh, to a pool of money, they get a share, that, sh- uh, that pool is managed by active investors that then go out and try to find investments and manage the portfolio. So, which is no knock, there's uh, actively managed EM fixed income ETFs all over the place. But the problem is then there's certain information I want to know, like, for example, who's managing this pool of money. And when you go on the uh, Mohash website, maybe I'm missing some info, but uh, the team page is a bunch of uh, crazy Google AI pictures and jokey descriptions that just focus on their personality and have very vague backgrounds. I am not the target investor. If I had a million dollars and I was interested in this, I'm sure I'd get a lot of great detailed information on the management team. But um, that's an essential component I would want to know because that's that's the thrust of their business model. So, um, But 
if they're if, if they have access to information that could allow them to find you know these diamonds in the rough that's that's wonderful and if crypto makes that easier to access as an investor also great yeah and one thing to add is at the bottom of their website they talk about their governance token and having a token and all of this this asset management is is going to be on chain and so i to your point i don't know how much easier or how much better this makes emerging market debt access. Cause if you have a million dollars, you can already get access to those assets. Mm-hmm. It's traditional markets. Right. So like, does, is this like that much better just because it's on the blockchain? I don't know, but like, it is interesting that they have a token that they're planning. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, it says that their tokenomics are still being developed. So, Hey, if you guys want help doing that, we, <laughs> We advise products in this regard, so maybe they'll maybe they'll hear this, and please reach out. We'd love to talk about that. So we know, would. I mean, they're going to be supporting Ethereum and Matic chains to start with, so it'll be interesting to see how mm-hmm. how that plays out. Um, it might take and, some and time. Yeah. Because tell me what you think about this. My guess is that the reason you start out with effectively qualified investors rather than retail is because generally speaking, when you arrange your investment fund that way, which again, this is, uh, there's much less regulatory uh, like requirements and, and burdens. And because we're in a bit of a regulatory you know, flux right now, um, maybe they'll start almost as a proof of concept. Once they maybe get some clarity on regulations, then they can kind of roll it out to retail. But that'd be my guess why they're starting big. Yeah, it's also a bet on India. I think. Well, they're starting with India, but Sequoia Capital India, for example, is is the, the Sequoia arm of that that does India deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have several prominent India-based investors in this list, so you're betting on you're betting on India pretty directly here at the moment. But I also think if you charge asset fees, AUM fees, ten bips, twenty five bips, whatever it is, you get more money if the if the base is higher. So I think you, you have the ability to monetize an institutional client, like an institutional user is worth a lot more mm-hmm. than uh, a retail user. So it makes, it, it makes sense to, to target those, um, especially when you're just getting started, I think. To, so you're right. Yeah. I think, I think from a regulatory standpoint, you, you have the accredited benefit, but then you also have the fact that you can, uh, you know, by charging a, small percentage fee you actually get more dollars on the other end of it because the base is higher too mm-hmm. yeah well so. um no it's an interesting structure like this is probably one of the clearest connection points uh, between like you said earlier between trying to bring crypto and real world investments together so yeah it'd be interesting to see especially in a country like india yeah especially in a country that's been i mean they've not ex- quite been so friendly with crypto uh, in the past year, we've seen a lot of interesting things coming out of them. Uh, yeah, they've been weird. They, regulate, so. Yeah, they did the the flat tax. I, I don't know exactly how much, like 30% on like all crypto profits. But um, yeah, they fluctuated. They've kind of gone back and forth. Yeah, so this is really an interesting bet in, in my view. Um, betting on crypto in India is, is a little contrarian, I think. But mm-hmm. it's also quite optimistic. So, yeah, it'll be cool to watch this one. 
Yeah, definitely. And we will. Uh, cool. Well, hey, it was good to talk to you, bud. Uh, hope you enjoy the long uh, 4th of July weekend. Likewise. And All right. congratulations on 100 episodes. Yeah, this is our 100th episode. Pat on the back. Hey. Good for us. <laughs> and we'll be back with episode 101 uh, next week. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in.